Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining this week's edition of the Albany Update. Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, sent shockwaves through Washington, D.C., when he announced that he would not be voting for President Joe Biden's Build Back Better Act. The announcement delivered a likely death knell to a signature issue of the president's agenda. But that isn't the only federal issue we'll be discussing on today's program. The Biden administration is also permanently removing some limits on abortion pill access. For many in the pro-life community, and the women and unborn babies negatively impacted by this decision, it's a troubling action. Next, Governor Kathy Hochul recently indicated that when the state legislature returns in 2022, she'll be seeking a mandatory COVID vaccination for students attending school. Plenty of parents will object to this. Then, we'll offer a brief look back on 2021 and let you know how you can receive our 2021 legislative session in review. So let's get started. On December 19th, following weeks of Capitol Hill negotiations, Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, announced that he would not support the current version of the so-called Build Back Better Act, President Joe Biden's massive social spending and climate change bill. Because the BBBA has no Republican support, and because the Senate is split 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans, the Senator's announcement torpedoed the President's chances of passing the Build Back Better Act anytime in the near future. By opposing the BBBA, Senator Manchin has at least temporarily saved the country from a reckless, immoral, and far-reaching piece of legislation. In mid-November, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms published a commentary on the Build Back Better Act and another major bill, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, President Joe Biden's $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure legislation. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms opposed the IIJA due to its provisions concerning sexual orientation and gender identity. However, the budget-busting BBBA is much worse than the other legislation. In addition to being an immensely wasteful boondoggle, it would jeopardize both religious freedom and the sanctity of life. At the time our previous commentary was written, the Investment Act had passed both houses, while the Build Back Better Act had not received a vote in either house. Since then, President Biden has signed the Infrastructure Act into law, while the House voted 220 to 213 to pass the Build Back Better Act on November 19th of this year. No House Republicans supported the Build Back Better Act, while one House Democrat, Representative Jared Golden, a Democrat from Maine's 2nd District, voted against it. We've included the full voting record on the article regarding this subject at albanyupdate.com. Since the House passed the Build Back Better Act, the status of the bill in the Senate has been the subject of non-stop media coverage. That coverage has mostly focused on Senator Manchin, a centrist Democrat with a maverick streak who hails from a red state. Senator Manchin is not the only Senate Democrat giving the President headaches about the Build Back Better Act, however. As of December 21st, Senators Mark Kelly, a Democrat from Arizona, and Kirsten Sinema, a Democrat from Arizona, are reportedly non-committal on the bill. Senator Manchin has had ongoing talks with President Biden, with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer 
and with many others about the Build Back Better Act, and has experienced intense political pressure to support it. The 74-year-old senator has also experienced pressure of a different sort. On November 4th, left-wing activists surrounded his car and prevented him from driving out of a Washington, D.C. parking garage. Prior to December 19th, Senator Manchin had consistently stated that he had major concerns about the Build Back Better Act. Nevertheless, when asked in early November about Senator Manchin's position on the bill, the president said, I believe that Joe will be there. Senator Manchin's December 19th statement of opposition to the Build Back Better Act is a model of clear thinking and common sense. In it, the senator explained that members of his own party are determined to dramatically reshape our society in a way that leaves our country even more vulnerable to the threats we face. Senator Manchin added, I cannot take that risk with the staggering debt of more than $29 trillion and inflation taxes that are real and harmful to every hardworking American at the gasoline pumps, grocery stores, and utility bills with no end in sight. The senator also stated that the American people deserve transparency on the true cost of the Build Back Better Act, noting that the Congressional Budget Office found that the BBBA would cost more than $4.5 trillion, more than twice as much as the bill's supporters claimed it would cost. In a recent interview, Senator Manchin expressed his strong displeasure with the pressure tactics used against him by other Democrats. According to Politico, the senator stated that he wants other Democrats to stop trying to force him into compliance. I knew what they could and could not do, Senator Manchin said. They just never realized it, because they figure surely they can move one person. Surely they can badger and beat one person up. Well, guess what? I'm from West Virginia. I'm not from where they're from, where they can just beat up on people and think they'll be submissive. The senator added, I just got to the wit's end. It's not just the president, it's the staff. They drove some things, and they put some things out there that were absolutely inexcusable. Not all of the news about the Build Back Better Act is good. While Senator Manchin is a no vote on the current version of the act, he has expressed willingness to continue to work on social spending legislation, provided that Democrats rewrite the legislation and use a regular committee process. Thankfully, this approach could take months and it is not at all certain that other Democrats would be amenable to it. It's safe to say that many Democrats are furious with Senator Manchin, both for opposing the Build Back Better Act and for announcing his opposition on Fox News. Both White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki and House Progressive Caucus Chair Pramila Jaipal, a Democrat from Washington's 7th District, publicly attacked the senator's integrity. Leader Schumer has said, that he plans to hold a vote on the Build Back Better Act in the near future, so that every member of this body has the opportunity to make their position known in the Senate floor, not just on television. Part of the Democrats' anger is rooted in the fact that their options are limited. The Senate is currently split 50-50 between the two major parties. Even if they use the budget reconciliation process, which allows bills to pass by a simple majority, Senate Democrats need Senator Manchin's support to pass controversial legislation. Also, while Senator Manchin has consistently stated that he intends to remain a Democrat, continued broadsides from his own party might cause him to change his mind. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell recently said 
that he had invited Senator Manchin to come across the aisle and join us, adding that if he did so, the senator would be treated with respect. If Senator Manchin takes Leader McConnell up on this invitation, the Republicans will become the majority party in the Senate, and the Democrats' hopes of passing the Build Back Better Act or any other major legislation will be dashed for at least the next year. Regardless of what happens next, all Americans owe a debt of gratitude to Senator Joe Manchin for bravely standing up to his own party and preventing the Build Back Better Act from becoming law in 2021. Next up on today's program, on December 16th, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration removed some limits on the availability of abortion pills. Specifically, the FDA eliminated a requirement that abortion pills be picked up in person. The in-person rule was opposed by the American Medical Association, which reportedly argued that the requirement provided no clear benefit to patients, and by the American Civil Liberties Union, the rule change will allow people to obtain abortion pills online or via mail-order service. Sadly, it is likely to result in more pill abortions. According to the Buffalo News, some limits will still be maintained. For example, physicians will only be allowed to prescribe abortion pills if they certify that they are able to provide emergency medical treatment in the event of heavy bleeding or other side effects. Also, pharmacies that dispense abortion pills will be required to register with the FDA. The FDA argued that requirements like these are necessary because physicians prescribing the drugs need to have the ability to date pregnancies accurately and to be able to provide any necessary surgical intervention or have made arrangements for others to provide for such care in the event of a complication. In some pro-life states, the impact of this rule change will likely be limited due to state laws barring delivery of abortion pills by mail. Also, the pro-abortion Guttmacher Institute indicates that 19 states have passed laws requiring that the prescribing physician be present when distributing abortion pills. Next, Governor Kathy Hochul angered many New Yorkers on December 10th when she announced that the New York State Department of Health had instituted a new statewide mask mandate for indoor public places. Undaunted, Governor Hochul recently stated that she wants to go even further by imposing a statewide COVID-19 vaccine mandate in schools. In a December 17th interview with MSNBC, the governor mentioned that she wants to implement a vaccine mandate in schools by the time the 2022-2023 school year begins. I believe this is important, the governor said, and we'll get it done. Governor Hochul did, however, acknowledge that she lacked the authority to create such a mandate on her own. The governor added, that she is already having discussion with members of the state legislature about passing a vaccine mandate law. Unfortunately, New York City Mayor-elect Eric Adams reportedly supports a vaccine mandate in New York City schools. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms objects to Governor Kathy Hochul's vaccine proposal for some of the same reasons that we oppose her administration's mask mandate for indoor public places. However, our opposition to a vaccine mandate is stronger because a vaccine mandate is more invasive than a mask mandate. Like the mask mandate, the governor's proposed vaccine mandate is not needed because young people are less susceptible to COVID-19 than adults are. Like the mask mandate, the proposed vaccine mandate would also fail to take into account the differing levels of severity of the pandemic in different regions of the state. And furthermore, 
A vaccine mandate would encroach upon the authority of parents and would unnecessarily entangle the state in the operations of Christian schools. Sadly, Christian schools might close in New York if a vaccine mandate is implemented in schools. We urge you to write your state lawmakers today and ask them to speak out against Governor Hochul's proposal to mandate COVID-19 vaccinations for students. Finally, as we look back at events affecting New York politics and policy in 2021, Christian New Yorkers have a great deal to be thankful for. While New Yorkers have experienced great difficulties during the COVID-19 pandemic, and while some of those difficulties were made worse by onerous government mandates, we can be thankful that the most draconian mandates, for example, bans on non-essential gatherings and bans or capacity limits on church services, have been lifted. Also, we can be thankful that the governor of New York no longer has broad emergency powers that allow for unfettered executive policy making. Christian New Yorkers can also be thankful that the various accusations against former Governor Andrew Cuomo created major distractions that limited the number of bad bills that were passed in 2021. We can be thankful that the Pregnancy Center Report Bill, the Physician Assisted Suicide Bill, the LGBT Policies for Non-Public Schools Bill, the New York Health Act, and the Legalization of Prostitution Bill failed to become law. For a full analysis of the 2021 legislative session, please visit our website at albanyupdate.com. And thank you for those year-end contributions that will help us to enter 2022 strong. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.